Hey guys, this is Ed, Paul, and Anna of Current Brand Media, and we are here to tell you a little bit more about our sponsor. Sportsball is a great subscription service geared towards minor league baseball fans. Each box features a different minor league team. You get a box every three months with minor league baseball gear, including different styles of hats like Ed's favorite, the dad hat. The cost is less than $12 a month. Proceeds from each box goes to More Than Baseball, the only nonprofit dedicated to the well-being of minor league baseball players. We all know that Parents' Days are coming up this summer. So if you've got a mom or a dad or a grandma or a grandpa who are particularly difficult to buy for, but you know they're baseball fans, this is the answer, guys. Meet your new favorite team at sportsballbox.com. Is there anybody there? <laughs> When you look at like historical stats and stuff, um, I can't remember what I was reading. It was actually really recently where it was talking about batting averages and how when they lowered them out in the 60s or the 70s, batting averages were at an all-time low. They were 230, 240 as a league average. I think 235 was the AL average that year when they lowered them out a little bit. And you know, sure enough, once they hired or once they lowered that mount, the the batting average is hired up to close to 300. What's up, Dad Air Crew? Ed here. And on this episode, I give you guys John Kosas. He is the media relations manager as well as the voice of the Columbia Fireflies. That's right, guys, the one and only. We talked about his upbringing up in Cleveland, some of his heroes growing up, as well as some of the jobs that he had along the way to becoming uh, the voice of the team. That's right. As well as we also go into his little project that he's been doing since he started uh, with the Columbia Fireflies. He wrote a book. That's right. Coming out in June. You guys got to go on uh, Amazon to go ahead and pre-order it. I will also put the link on there. So, But listen, I can't give you too much information because it's 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 all part of the interview. And I want you guys to listen to it. So, guys, without further ado, I'll give you the episode. All right. Well, I want to welcome you guys to yet another episode of the Data Chronicles. My name is Ed. With me today, uh, listen, I'm so excited about this. I've been trying to get with this dude for a little bit here. You know, he's a fellow uh, fan of sports, as you guys already know. Uh, Jan, John Kosas, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great, Ed. Thanks so much for having me on. Are you kidding me? Hell yeah, man. Are you kidding? This is this is as good as it gets for me right now, man. <laughs> you are, and I, and I want to say, I want to make sure that I say this right. You are the broadcasting and media relations manager for the Columbia Fireflies, correct? Yes, sir. Yes. Kudos to me. <laughs> all right. So, uh, but before we get into, you know, what you're currently doing and all that fun stuff, um, the question that I ask everybody is, tell me how you become a fan of sports, you know, baseball and what you're doing now. Yeah. So I grew up in Cleveland in the late 90s, which means as a left-handed kid, I naturally gravitate towards two people, Jim Tomey and CC Sabathia. Jim told me a bit more than CeCe because as a kid, <laughs> I said, I want to hit 600 home runs, right? I wanted to be the next Jim Tomey. And roughly fourth grade or fifth grade, I realized I would never be hitting 600 major people <laughs> for home runs. So I tried to think what else I was good at. Uh, and I was, I was naturally gifted at writing. I, I did well with reading comprehension. I enjoyed reading books, whether it was fiction, nonfiction, whatever. There was always a book in my hand. Uh, as a kid. So 
you know, I, I naturally started moving towards sports writing and I became the editor in chief of my high school paper, the sports editor, all that stuff. And uh, fortunately, our basketball team, my senior year of high school, went to States in Ohio and we had the opportunity to go on uh, Munch in the Morning show. So Mark Bishop's show on ESPN Munch, Mark Munch Bishop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so he he allowed me to just talk about the basketball team. And then I parlayed that into our senior project was we had to shadow someone for two weeks in a career you want to do. So I shadowed ESPN Cleveland radio at uh, WKNR when, when Munch was on back, I think it was like four 30 in the morning until nine in the morning or something. Yeah, like that. So I remember I those days. And then I went to classes for the last two, three weeks of the year, but I was in love with it from that point on. I went to Ohio university, go Bobcats. And I'm a Kent uh, state or I can't say Bobcats. I'm Kent state here, man. My dad graduated from Kent State, so we've got we've got a lot of Mac. I've got a twin that went to Western Michigan. My dad went to Kent State. My uncle went to Kent State. My aunt went to Akron. So, uh, oh wow, you got a Mac family, man! Right. Um, but yeah, so I uh, went to Ohio University, studied journalism there, got involved with the Southern Ohio Copperheads, doing play by play for them, and that was my sophomore year of college when I first traveled with a baseball team. And at that point, I said man, if I could get paid to do this, there's no shot I'd do anything else the rest of my life. And and here we are. Uh, if that was sophomore year of high school, that was the summer of 20, or college rather, that was the summer of 2013, summer of 2014. So let's just call it 10 years later. Good for you, man. That's awesome. I'm happy for you. That's uh, that's for you to follow what you're doing, right? And, and first of all, you know, shadowing, you know, someone who is so well known in the Cleveland area, right? Like Munch is like, you know, I met the guy. He's super cool, down to earth. You know, you ask him one question and he'll go on a super long tangent about whatever that, that subject is, which is awesome. And that's what makes you a good, you know, make someone and like yourself a really good play by play and radio personality. Yeah, Munch is salt of the earth, one of the good ones. Him, Terry Pluto, Mary Kay. <laughs> Cleveland's really fortunate with their writing and sports talk scene. Even uh, even Paul Hoynes, the beat writer for the Guardians, he's a yep. fantastic guy to get to know. I've had the pleasure of talking with him once or twice just over the course of my lifespan. I'm sure he has no idea who I am, but you know, when, <laughs> when you're a college kid and you have the chance to talk to the beat writer for the team you grew up rooting for, then you know, you're going to remember those conversations. And Paul's a really great guy as well. Yep. True story. All right. So, okay. So the, the copper hits were your first, you know, gig into uh play by play. Uh, what was right after that? Like, you know, like what was that process of you, you know, right after college trying to find that, that niche for you to get in? Yeah. So, uh, sophomore year and junior year. So the summer leading up to junior year, the summer leading up to senior year, mm -hmm. uh, I did the Ohio, uh, Southern Ohio Copperheads thing. And then that December, so it would have been December, 2015, I went to winter meetings for the first time because I had no idea how to, to meet anyone. And what's funny is uh, I, I struck out. I, I did not do well at winter meetings that first year. Like I, I got a couple of people who talked to me and stuff until the last day. The last day I um, I went with one friend and we said, you know what? Like we're going to get away from the conference center because it was over at the, uh, the Gaylord Opry. Mm -hmm. um, so we said, you know, we're going to get away from that. We're going to go on Broadway. We're going to have a good time. That way, no matter what, we can say we had a good time in Nashville. True. And we were at Tootsie's. I went to the bathroom and I met Brian Bush, who was the play-by-play -play voice of the Winston-Salem Dash at the time. Now he's the broadcast voice of uh, Michigan sports, University of Michigan. Mm -hmm. So uh, I met him 
like waiting in line at the bathroom or something because I was wearing an Ohio University hoodie and he said, no way. Like, turns out we were both Bobcats and we made that <laughs> connection. And I, I met with the West Virginia Power later on, uh, Adam Marco, who's now in Scranton Wilkes-Barre. But all of that paved the way for they said, hey, we can't hire you right now because you graduate after the season starts. But next season, you know, continue to work on your craft, get better. And we'll see what we could do. So that next season, when I was actually available in March, when internships start, um, I ended up working with the West Virginia Power and Video Production. And uh, that was how I paved my way. I wasn't able to get a broadcast job initially, but I, I worked real hard, showed the West Virginia Power that, you know, I'd be the first one in, last person out type of thing, using culture and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, I, I learned a lot of great, a, a lot of great things with Photoshop, with Adobe Premiere, things that I really didn't have a ton of experience in, but I now use every single day in my career path. And uh, that's what led me to becoming a, a play-by-play voice. The next year I interned with the West Virginia Power again, but this time in the broadcast booth. And then I went to uh, the Hagerstown Suns. Yep. Uh, found out that I got that job while I was in, in Vegas at winter meetings. So that was a really fun time. There was yeah. a uh, 2 a.m. interview with uh, Sean Mernon. Wait, uh, did you just say 2 a.m.? Yeah, 2 a.m. Vegas time, so 5 a.m. Ohio times. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. It was. Um, I got a call from him at like midnight or something, and he he asked what I was doing, and I said, "Hey, I'm networking with these people." And he said, "Well, what are you doing right after that? I want to meet you at Luxor Sportsbooks." And uh, I went over there, and then we both had a beer and we chatted a little bit. And he's like, "Hey, here's the deal. I'm leaving Hagerstown." Um, I think you'd be a great fit if you're looking for a number one job. You know, it's not the most glamorous stadium. It's not the most glamorous brand, but it's a number one job in baseball. So if you want it, it's yours. And uh, so I chat with him the next day. I chat with the team president. All those things kind of checked out and I had a job offer a week later from him. So, you know, baseball's funny. It's very much a networking game to get these jobs, but also like it's never a lot of people when you ask them about their first jobs, I'm sure, you know, from this podcast alone, uh, it's not the typical, hey, at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday, I took a day off and I got into my suit and I, I interviewed for this job. There's always some type of wonky, weird story. Or yeah. Something to do. And that's how it goes. Right. Like, I mean, not only not only that, but also, yeah, you're you're you may be broadcasting, but also you're going to be doing a b c and d with the team at any time at any point you know of that once you're hired right because you you know in minor leagues you wear many 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 hats oh absolutely yep you're pulling the tarp you're helping with video production you're helping with sales you know like all these different things and that's uh i i mentor a lot of kids like kids in college and stuff will call me and ask how do you get from point a to point b or something and the first thing i always say is your broadcasting is important but remember a lot of times the difference between you and another candidate is one of those other things you can do. If you can yeah. generate $50,000 of revenue through sales, that might be what puts you in front of someone else. If you know how to use a Dactronics video board, that might give you the advantage over someone else. It all depends on what the, uh, what the organization is looking for. It's interesting, right? Because, and, and I've always asked, you know, for people who are in the, in the businesses, you know, something that, um, that has set you apart, you know, from, from other candidates and, you know, what is that, that one message that you want to put, you know, give to other people that are looking into getting into the business, because it's not an easy business to get into, you know, you just got to get your foot in the door. Yeah, Absolutely. So that's awesome. I love it. All right. So you went from, from Hagerstown to where? To Columbia. So really? Was, um, I was in Hagerstown summer of 2019. 
And then I want to say I started the, the Monday after the Super Bowl in 2020. It was it was February-ish of 2020, and then we all know what happened next, right? The pandemic. Yeah. So I moved to Columbia and lived in Columbia for a year and two or three months before I ever broadcast my first Fireflies game, which was kind of <laughs> nuts. Because, <laughs> you know, you and me, we talked when we met down in Columbia. Mm-hmm. And so you you moved there. You didn't know anybody you know, when you were in Colombia, so you had to have that time period. What did you do, man? Um, well, it's, it's funny. Yes. This, I, uh, I started off and I'm a really big outdoor person. So Mm -hmm. I looked up every park within an hour and two or three times a week, because like we were working remotely, but we were also doing a lot of nighttime things. So we had like restaurant night at the ballpark because it's an open air facility and you could still, host a couple of people there. So um, on the nights we had restaurant night during the day, I told myself I was going to wake up 10 or 11 or wake up and by 10 or 11, be ready to get out the door and, and go to a park. And so I would just go to a random place, hike five or six miles, come on back and then get ready to work that night a lot of times. So I explored every park Columbia had to offer. Um, a lot of them more often than others, like Congaree National Forest is really fun. Um, and it's got 20 different trails that are all like four plus miles long. Uh, They also have like, it's in a floodplain. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people mistake it for a swamp. It's technically not a swamp, but uh, you can take a canoe out there and you can just canoe down these little river pathways that are flooded over. And that's a a really cool experience that you don't get to do everywhere. So the first thing I did was I did a lot of camping. I did a lot of random hiking, exploring. And then around October after baseball season would have been over, I was just trying to think of something to keep me busy because it had mm-hmm. been, you know, at that point I've been six, seven months of not doing a lot. And during baseball season, I'm used to working 80, 90 hour weeks. So I was, I was bored. Yeah. Um, so I decided for whatever reason to write a book. <laughs> um, and uh, so I started writing um, and, and interviewing people. It was first Jesse Goldberg Strassler, who I knew had, had published the baseball thesaurus and uh, obviously long-standing voice of the Lansing lug nuts, just a really good guy. Uh, So I interviewed him first and then I picked his brain about the process of getting a book published uh, to decide if it would be possible or not. And eventually I got about a dozen broadcasters that I interviewed, talked about, you know, how they got to where they are, what their favorite in-game moments are, best player from a personality, talent, or or role-playing type of uh, mindset was. And then some of the wonky questions you don't think of, like what your favorite promotion in baseball is or what um, what type of restaurants you like visiting on the road that people may not have heard of in small town America. And that was the most interesting part of it for me was hearing what people's favorite like random experiences were, whether they like went to see dinosaur bones at this random spot or they had the best barbecue of their life in Jackson, Mississippi in a tin shack. Or, you know, some people um, talked about like really good nightlife scenes. And, you know, one of the ones that got mentioned was there's this uh, there's this bar called the Sip and Dip Lounge in Great oh, Falls, Montana. Love the name. It's a bunch of um, so there's an 87 year old lady, Piano Pat, who <laughs> plays the piano and sings every night, just requests songs all night. She she prior to uh, passing this last year. So 2021. Um, she had sang four or five nights a week at the Sip oh, and wow. Lounge 
for like 50 years. It's a nuts story. She has like documentaries written about her and stuff like that. Like she has a Netflix thing out. Uh, she was featured in CBS's Sunday mornings and a couple other things as well. Um, this bar in, in Great Falls, Montana, middle of nowhere, was featured as one of the top 10 dive bars in GQ one year. Um, and then the other thing they have is it used to be a travel lodge. So it's a massive building and they're only using a little portion of it for the bar. And what's right behind it used to be a pool. So they took out the cement walls of the pool and put plexiglass in. And then they have like college, college girls or like just different random people dress up as mermaids and just like swim in the tank. Um, so it's no a way. bar with an 85 year old lady playing the piano and singing. I have not been to this Tiki Hawaiian bar, but um, sounds like a fun place to be lounge is, is a wild place, apparently. And it's very well liked from a lot of random national publications and then featured in Terry Byram's chapter of uh, the book that will be getting published now uh this june it'll be getting published so i'm excited for you dude yeah it was october 2020 to to june 2023 was the the whole length of the process from writing to editing to finding a publisher to them telling me they want me to add ten thousand more words and then uh to to finalizing some legal stuff and finally now uh hopefully on the path of publishing it soon all right so okay so let's talk about that because um I am a huge fan of uh, uh, of reading minor league books and baseball books overall. Yeah. What is the name of your book? So the name of the book is called Play by Play from the Minors, and it's profiling baseball broadcasters from Scranton to Yakima. That's is a great. I love it. Yeah. I love it. That's awesome, dude. That's and obviously you're gonna you talk about stories that you your stories, but other broadcasters throughout baseball minor league baseball uh and 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 beyond so i the process you said is you know from 2020 to 2023 right june 2023 yeah that's a long process and not a lot of people really understand that that takes a lot to write a book yeah so what's funny is the writing was actually the easiest part uh, <laughs> so i started writing initially in october of 2020 and I told myself that I had to finish it before baseball season or I was going to give up on it. Mm-hmm. So I finished in February of 2021. So October, November, December, January, February. So like four or five months was the, the time it took to write it. Then editing it took so long. Reading through it, I, I fortunately have some really good friends who also wanted to read through it and, and give suggestions and stuff. So I went through the editing process where first I just read the entire thing by myself had a red pen old school this wow thing i wanted to change and then i typed it in so that's one read through of a book right then i sent it to a friend uh online and said hey um anything that you want to change just like do a suggested change in microsoft word and then i could accept or decline it based off of you know what i thought um on the reasoning and stuff so that person read it sent it back to me. Then I read it again, decide whether or not to accept changes and stuff, and then sent it back to a third friend, same thing. And then I read it myself. So that editing process took from March until October of the following year. So 2021. So that was a seven month process. And uh, once, once I got through with that, then I said, okay, how do I find a publisher? I have no idea. So I started emailing some agents and asking for different suggestions. And eventually I found McFarland books uh, located up in Virginia, and, and they love the idea. 
actually got I uh, got to give credit to Triumph Books uh, based in Chicago who said, hey, we love this idea, but we are already filled on like our quota for baseball books for the next year. We think this would be a great match for you, though. And, and they sent me. Uh, oh, that's awesome. McFarland and I talked to McFarland and they initially were like, yep, let's let's get this signed and then let's start going through the process. So I've been working with them since about November of 2021. Wow. And then now June is when it's going to be released. Yep. It'll be in June. And and right now it's available on pre-sale for Amazon as well as Mm McFarlandBooks.com. And then hopefully by the time uh, we get to June, it'll have a couple of independent bookstores and then a a few Barnes and Nobles. Barnes and Nobles is weird. I didn't know this until I got into uh, publishing things, but apparently it's not like every Barnes and Noble is actually different. Like it's not you get a contract with Barnes and Noble and every Barnes and Noble in America has your book. It's like you tell Barnes and Noble where you're from. And like, so for me in Cleveland, there'll be four or five Barnes and Nobles that will have the book. And then because I'm in Columbia, there'll be a couple of Barnes and Nobles around Columbia that'll have the book. And then any other places that they feel uh, would have a draw for this specifically. So um, there are six teams that are featured in this book that are in the state of Pennsylvania. So I'm sure Pennsylvania will have That's a good. handful of yeah. Barnes and Nobles that will end up printing the book. So just kind of nuts how all of those things work out. But uh, I learned a lot more about how that national corporation works. And it makes a lot of sense when you think about it, right? Because mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's that niche locality for a bunch of different things, whether it's, you know, parks, food, uh, random hobbies or interests, right? Like, to have a skiing book in Arizona probably isn't going to sell super well, but no. uh, in Ohio or Colorado, I, a lot of people might be learning how to ski. Right. <laughs> so, Interesting. Uh, I didn't know that either. I yeah. did not know that it was just based on regionality and, you know, things like that. So that's, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am on your, on your, on the Amazon page right now. It is right there for pre-order. Let me ask you, because I personally like to get it paperback right like you know in a paperback form but will it be available in digital form as well yeah so on the mcfarland book site right now it's available on digital form on amazon it'll be on digital um once june hits yeah once it hits pre-sales just so they know how many books to print (laughs) and then uh once once june hits it'll be both softback as well as digital nice i like it i like it i cannot wait to read it um it's gonna be uh i'm I don't know if you know this, but I am actually trying to create a uh, a book club, you know, uh, online. So yeah, for people like, you know, like minded people that can, you know, read a book and then we'll get on a Zoom call or whatever it is and talk about the book. Because I, I, I think that's one of the things that like I want to be able to connect with other people from different parts of the of the US or the world or whatever. And yeah. what better way than to read a book, right? And then talk about it. Yeah. And, and especially with like baseball, where it's such a historically based interest where, you know, I never would have had a chance to see Roger Maris or Mickey Mantle play live. Right. Mm -hmm. They, they stopped playing 30, 40 years before I was born, but I can read about them and they're still historically relevant to this last baseball season when Aaron judge was, you know, hitting more home runs than anyone else in Yankees history. Yep. For me, same thing. It's like, you know, I I, I was never going to have the opportunity to, to see my childhood baseball idol, which is, you know, Clemente, right? Mm-hmm. But I can read about him. 
you know, I've been to the uh, baseball museum, his baseball museum in Pittsburgh. So it's like, you know, you, you find ways to, like you said, it's all historically based. And then once certain things happen in baseball, that connection, you know, comes right back up. And then, you know, that interest, you know, is back again. Yeah. And it's weird because when you look at like historical stats and stuff, um, I can't remember what I was reading. It was actually really recently where it was talking about batting averages and how when they lowered the mount in the 60s or the 70s, batting averages were at an all time low. They were 230, 240 as a league average. I think 235 was the AL average that year when they lowered the mount a little bit. And, you know, sure enough, once they hired or once they lowered that mount, the, the batting average is hired up to close to 300. Sheesh. Uh, where, where are we right now, though, right? Batting averages are back lower than they've been in 30, 40, 50 years. And people are talking about how some teams are hitting 230, 240. So it's just interesting how things come vogue again because pitching had to adapt and become better yet again. Yeah. And it's funny. Now we're doing something to mitigate the, the fact that lower uh, lower batting averages is happening and more outs are happening. So, you know, the shift in baseball and things like that, there's some things that are neat making the base bigger right so yeah there's some there's some things and i don't know how you know you would feel about those things but like that's something that's if if we leave baseball to stay the way it is what's going to happen to it so there has to be some adjustment football does it basketball does it every every sport does it yeah i mean even things as crazy as the bases have moved yeah right uh, you know, foul territory once upon a time was was bisecting foul and fair territory was bisecting the base at first and third. And now um, it's it's foul territory is the end of the base rather than the middle of the base. So uh, things like that have been changing since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's true. It's absolutely true, my friend. It's absolutely true. So uh, I cannot wait to read the books. I'm so super excited. Um uh, what in your opinion what was some of the challenges in you know throughout this whole process of of you know having this you know come to life oh man um i think first was my my initial shyness mm-hmm. um I, I didn't want to burden people during the pandemic with talking to me for an hour for a book yeah. uh, particularly people i hadn't met so uh, a couple of those people like rob ford I had spoken to once very, very briefly at winter meetings because he's the Houston Astros broadcaster. And I recognized him and I said, hey, my name's John. And at the time, I wasn't even a professional broadcaster yet. So I was like, I want to be a broadcaster in baseball. Um, that was that was the extent of how I knew Rob Ford. But Rob's a great guy. And I ended up emailing him, I think, from his Astros account. And I said, hey, Rob, here's the situation. This is what I'm trying to do would you be willing to chat with me? And he immediately was like, absolutely. I'd love to tell some of my stories. And he has some amazing stories. <laughs> um, he talks a little bit about him visiting Vancouver. Um, and they used to have Wednesday noon games. So they, they hosted these nooners is what they call them. And then it would allow the entire team to go out to the Vancouver nightlife scene. And when you're in the Pacific Northwest, playing in small markets and stuff to go to a city like Vancouver gave those guys a chance to, to really open up and party uh, for the first time in a long time. So he had some pretty funny stories that are featured in there about that. Uh, another guy, Joe block, uh, I think it was Jesse Goldberg Strassler recommended that I talk to him and gave me his information and stuff. 
And uh, so I was like, hey, Joe, like, totally understand. You've got a bunch of, I think he has four kids under four years old or something like wow. that. Wow. Uh, God bless and, him. Right. And so I was like, I totally understand if you're busy. Like, we're getting close to the holidays. This is a real tough time for you. Um, but I would absolutely love to talk to you for an hour, an hour, 15 minutes, you know, whatever, whatever you can spare about some of your experiences. And he had one of the best promotional stories in this book where he worked for the Gold Clan group in the 90s. Um, so he worked for the Charleston River Dogs when they first rebranded to the Charleston River Dogs instead of the Charleston Rainbows when mm-hmm. they were affiliated with the Padres. And so that was right around the time of the Tanya Harding um, incident. Yeah. <laughs> so they held mini bat night. And oh. this is before the era of the Internet. So they didn't tell her it was going to be mini bat night. They were going to give away a thousand or two thousand mini bats. But they then told her, hey, we'd love to have you autograph just different things. We're going to have Tanya Harding autograph session night or whatever. And she agreed to do it and set up a table behind the gates. And then sure enough, as fans are walking in, the only thing they have are these mini bats. So it was Tanya Harding autograph mini bat night. <laughs> and I I had such a hard time fathoming that this existed because, you know, like yeah. me, that, that would have been struck pretty quickly, probably just with the reach of the internet and stuff, fantastic promotion, absolutely hilarious. But if you look it up on eBay, people are trying to sell those bats now and there aren't a ton of them because she left after a little bit. So she probably only signed like 50 of these bats, but people have Charleston river dogs, mini bats autographed by Tanya Harding. That's hilarious. Fantastic promotion. That's amazing. That's minor league baseball. That's so minor league though. Right. Like that is like minor league as it gets. Right. And that's that's basically the book in a nutshell. It's it's crazy things like that. It's Josh Suchan of the Albuquerque Isotopes talking about how they had a delay on a game day that was 70 degrees and sunny because they had a connection in Colorado. Um, So they went Oklahoma City to Colorado back down to Albuquerque for a game and it was snowing in Colorado. So their oh. flight got delayed and they had to bust the rest of the way. And the, the team physically got there around an hour after first pitch. So they had to delay on a 70 degree sunny day because of the travel, right? In minor league baseball, you're not traveling on private jets. So nope. that, that was the option that was given to them. You're, you're going to find the cheapest way to get there before the game. That's what's going to happen. Right, exactly. So uh, just just tons of fantastic stories that are similar to that. Or Josh Wetzel, uh, who's in Rochester now. Josh Wetzel started his career in 1994 with a team in Georgia that no longer exists. They became the Delmarva Shorebirds. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm blanking on the team name. It's like uh, it, the logo I can picture. It's a skunk with a foul pole. It's like the alley poles or something okay. like that. Um, but so he he was broadcasting for that team. And there was this young 18, 19 year old Dominican guy on that team who was pretty talented, played pretty well. His name was Vlad Guerrero. <laughs> what? <laughs> right. So he got to call Vlad Guerrero's games. And then funny enough, right. He, he is now the broadcaster for Rochester um, so when Vlad Guerrero Jr. was coming through the International League, he had the opportunity to see Vlad Guerrero Jr. So he has broadcasted, you know, both halves of the father-son combo of Vlad Guerrero and Vlad Guerrero Jr. 
That's insanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, I just looked it up as we were talking as well. Albany Polecats. Boom. Yep, that's the one. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. That's amazing. That's a great name, the Polecat. And you're right. And the logo's scum- great. Yeah, it's amazing that you make yeah. a hat like that. Definitely should make a hat and with that became, logo. Uh, the Damara Shorebirds. So that branding might still exist in the in the Delmarva team store somewhere. Like we still have a little bit of Savannah Sand that stuff here in Columbia after they moved. So yep. may, maybe potentially it's been a lot longer, right? We were 2016 for our inaugural yeah. season. Delmarva would have been 95 or something, but who knows? Man, that's amazing. That is amazing that you can just, you know, things like that. That's I, I, I can't wait to read it just because I I will enjoy reading these and you you get to laugh you know and you feel like you're there during that time so I I cannot wait I cannot wait um okay so uh, let's, let's talk about about the team here really quick um right you're you're the broadcaster for the team now do you travel with them um I didn't last year or the year prior because pandemic related yeah. things but. The hope is that this year I'll be able to get on the bus and travel again. We'll see. Um, with all the rules and regulations yeah. now, it's one of those things where I'll probably end up finding out in April, but um, <laughs> hopefully it's going to be a, hey, John, you get to go on the bus this year in April. It's one of those things you're going to find out. Hey, by the way, um, I need you to go pack your bags real quick because uh, you're about to leave. The bus is leaving. We're waiting for you. Hurry up. Right. And well, and the good news is the Fireflies always start the year at home. Um, one of very few minor league teams that can – can claim that but we always start the year at home because we're only 70 miles from augusta and opening weekend in minor league baseball is always the masters weekend yeah so augusta cannot host a home game but then columbia doesn't have enough hotels for another team to like yeah stay there so augusta does a commute trip to us um for opening weekend every single year so opening weekend is always the columbia fireflies and the augusta green jackets and it's always at segra park that's cool though. That's pretty cool. Like, you know, you, you know, that you find ways to make it work. Yeah, exactly. And every team has a couple of those quirks. Um, you're allowed to have, I think it's up to six dates where you like say that you cannot have a home game or something like that for when they put into the giant master schedule sheet. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head of another one. Um, that I that I can think of uh, Lexington when when Keeneland opens up or when they have uh, the big triple crown race in Louisville. Yeah. Um, so when the legends used to be in minor league baseball, they they never raced that weekend, um, just because you know very difficult to find additional parking or people to do additional things on yeah. that. Because some people, are, you know, that's the big money maker right there, you know. Yeah, you know? They, they like horses in Lexington. <laughs> I don't know why. That's just crazy talk. That's crazy. <laughs> um, all right. Is there anything that I didn't ask you um, that you want to mention right now before we go to my fun part of the, the podcast? Sure. I guess one, one last thing would be uh, it's a great book for people who are looking to get into the broadcasting field, too, because it gives you an unfiltered look at what your life would be like. <laughs> It's every chapter starts off talking about the background of the different broadcasters and then very quickly moves into what they're doing on a daily basis. So uh, it gives you a really good idea before you make the jump. Maybe you're in high school, maybe you're in college and you're just trying to research what it's like. Uh, This, this tells you without a filter, 
what a dozen different broadcasters have really enjoyed or or in the or case hated. of travel stories have not enjoyed about <laughs> baseball. That's awesome. But those are the fun books, right? Like, I mean, you can just sit there and just, like I said, when when I read books like that, it makes me feel like I'm right there experiencing what they experience. So I am looking forward to this and I will make sure that everybody else knows about it. So oh, thank you so much. All right. So are we ready? Oh, I'm ready. All right. So and, and I'm sure people already get tired of me saying this, but this is the question that I ask everybody. The very first question is you go to the ballpark, right? You go to Sagra Park, mm-hmm. right? Uh, as a fan. And you sit there to go watch a game. What is your food and drink of choice? So I am really big on when you go to a baseball game, you got to have, uh, you know, some form of draft beer at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll be honest, it's, you know, one of those things that the older I get, the more I get made fun of it. But my my beverage of choice is Bud Light. Um, <laughs> but I will also say that I really enjoy local craft beers. Yeah. If I'm not from Columbia, maybe I don't know some of the really good ones at our ballpark, but I really enjoy the steel hands uh, mm-hmm. that we have on tap at our ballpark. And then the luminescent lager is made for the fireflies from River Rat Brewery. So those are two really good uh, drafts to try out while you're here at the ballpark. And then as far as food, I, I am such a wild card with food. You know, I'm a burger and hot dog guy, but I'm also someone that thinks, if, if there's a specialty item, you got to at least try it. Agreed. Um, and so like a lot of teams do really big nacho helmets and things like that that I like to try. But the one thing that up here in the press box I can always smell from the main concourse is over on the third base side, probably about halfway up the stadium from mm-hmm. here, there is a funnel cake cart. Oh. Multiple times a game. I don't know what mm. the correlation is with when the smell really starts to waft. If it's just the yeah. changes or something, I go, man, I could really use a funnel cake right now. Just, just a piece <laughs> of a funnel cake. It doesn't have to be the whole thing. But my you mouth should, just starts watering mid. You should say that during the broadcast. I'm going to need somebody to go ahead and get me a uh, funnel cake up here. I would greatly appreciate that. Thank you so much. Right? Yeah. No, that's exactly what it feels like. <laughs> that's awesome i love it i love it all right okay so if you could be any fictional character any fictional like baseball or basketball uh any um movie or show which fictional character would you be it's a hard one there are so many good fictional characters oh gotta pick know, one. batman is pretty awesome batman is pretty awesome i mean that dude got a lot of money Got a lot of money and then like you, a lot you of got cool toys and all the cool gadgets, you know, yeah. the Batcopter as well as the Batmobile, like all yep. those cool things. I like it. I like it. All right. So you're walking down the street and um, you find ten thousand dollars. Obviously, you're going to do the double tick, you know, making sure that no one's looking at you and all that. You grab these ten thousand dollars and you run away. And what is the first thing that you do with that? Man, I. uh who. I don't know. $10,000 is a really good sum of money. Um, right now I'm actually like renovating my office in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would probably just go to Home Depot and buy <laughs> all the things that I've looked at for it and gone like, no, that's probably out of my price range. And then I probably go, oh, the reflective light strip that goes on top of the crown molding to make it look really cool, but I don't need it all. Yeah, I can get that. Now. Here we go. <laughs> right? uh, there, uh, my Home Depot will be my best friend. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you go to a party and you bring a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever re-gifted a gift? 
I don't think I have. What? Not not a regifter. Yeah. That's in- good for you. I mean, congratulations. I have, um, but we're not going to get with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. But there's always something cool about it. Just something hilarious about regifting a gift. Okay. If you could have any wild animal, you go to the store, you pick a wild animal as your pet, which wild animal would it be? A wolf or an elephant. And I'm only saying the two because wolf might be too close to dog that people will go, well, John, you're cheating. So if we're considering wolf cheating, we'll go with an elephant. You're going to need a bigger house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The backyard's going to have to get real, <laughs> real big. And I'm going to have to figure out something to dispose of the uh, waste. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Because that's a lot of waste. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So. Uh, on that same theme of animals here, um, you're you're at a party. Uh, who do you think would be the biggest party animal as far as an animal is concerned? The party animal. Ooh. I feel like penguins would be pretty cool. They, they're, they're social animals. They're always moving around. Or otters. Otters are big hams. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Otters. Otters. Final answer. <laughs> I like it. Otters. Final answer. Okay. Um, obviously you've had many jobs. Uh, it is minor league baseball, but what was your first job? My first job, uh, I was a paper boy in fourth grade. If that doesn't count freshman year of high school, I was uh, a bus boy. No, no, listen, uh, paper boy works because, you know, especially during the, the fall and winter season in Cleveland, mm-hmm. you know, being a paper boy, kudos to you, my friend. Well, and I don't know what part of cleveland you're from but it was the sun messenger so the east side of cleveland yeah oh east side yeah yeah no sweet yeah so i i delivered um it was like where my dad's house was the seven streets closest to it and i have a twin so we would get the paper at like two in the morning or three in the morning we would wrap all of them and then we would just both of us would go one direction and then do half the streets oh my god good for you man uh, okay, would you rather go to the beach or the mountain? Uh, the mountains. I, I'm really big on hiking and, and climbing and stuff. Don't get me wrong. The beach is a really fun place. It's cool. But yeah. uh, if you've been to one beach, you've been to all of them. Every time you look around the corner of a mountain, you, you get to see something new. I don't know, man. There's some not nice beaches out there in the world that not a lot of people have been to. I'm just saying. Fair, but you're very, right. Fair. Um, Hiking is fun. Going out in the woods is always a lot of fun. So. All right. So in your opinion, what's the most boring sport? Most boring sport? Yep. Is there such a thing as a boring sport? I am super competitive. I mean, like I went home for Christmas and we played Risk and Monopoly and like just <laughs> those always get tense, you know. Uh, so, Monopoly with family is dangerous, dude. Right. It's very dangerous. Um, man, the most boring sport. I mean, I, I'm a guy that watches curling uh, every year. So do I, dude. A huge curling guy. So do I. I'm actually trying to go. There's like there's a club here in uh, in uh, in Raleigh. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna go and learn how to be a curler. Yeah, uh, it's very difficult. I know a couple people who have done it, and they said like it, they make it look so easy. It is not sweeping. I've heard is like very difficult to not just fall and, and bust your butt. I'm just saying falling would be the hardest thing of in, in curling. Yeah, just trying to stay up is the one thing that I'm thinking is going to be the the uh, the hardest part for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess boring sport. Um, I'm gonna get heat for this, but I'm just gonna say soccer. 
Um, There's nothing wrong so with that. I, I like soccer. Like I watch World Cup soccer um, and I'll watch some European matches and stuff. So I don't think soccer is boring, but I guess like of all the sports that I watch, I guess the one that I could not watch and not be as affected would be soccer. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I can take it. I understand this. I can understand this. <laughs> John, dude, thank you so much for doing this. This was a lot of fun. I'm going to eventually when the book comes out for sure on in June, I'll, I'll try to have you back on so we can uh, talk about more about the book and everything. Uh, but in the meantime, where can uh, people find you, man? Yeah, I'm most active on Twitter, but all my socials are at jkosis8. So it's J-K-O-C-S-I-S and then the number eight. Perfect. And I'll put that on the show notes so that way everybody can follow him. Good luck to you and the and the team in the new season. I am uh, pulling for you guys. You guys are you guys are awesome. I, I, we've met in person. The the facilities are amazing. And obviously, you know, I was there with Donnie Wise and uh, James Christopher. So and it was a blast. So I, I got to get back down there again to uh, hang out with you guys. Yeah, thanks so much for having me come on. Love the show. And then also, next time you're in Columbia, let me know. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm going to, buddy. Don't you worry. <laughs> All right, man. Take care. Yeah, have a good one. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode with John. Now, make sure you guys are following him on social media as well as go and pre-order that book. I did put the link in the show notes so you guys can pre-order the book so that way uh, you can read all the fun stories, okay? Uh, Before I go, a couple of things. Um, Obviously, you guys already know I partnered with uh, Baseball Barbecue. If you go to www.baseballbarbecue.com forward slash dad hat that will do what we'll do is it'll give me a percentage of the sales so that way i'll be honest i'll buy more dad hats but here's what i'll do for you guys if you use code barbecue 20 bbq 20 you will get 20 percent off of your first order so that way hey save a little bit of money all right and now here's the dad joke of the episode i heard optimus prime is writing a book it's an autobiography all right all right i see myself out guys until then keep on grinding and always support the minor leagues see ya This podcast is part of the Curved Brim Media Network. Here are some of the other members of Curved Brim Media. Hi, this is Ed Rivera of the Data Chronicles. Join me as I interview people just like you and players, coaches, GMs on the path that led you to become a fan of the sport. I'm Paul Caputo, and on the Baseball by Design podcast, I talk to minor league baseball teams, designers, and other super interesting people about what these minor league baseball logos mean. And I talk a little bit about ice cream helmets. What's up, Bucketheads? I'm Anna DiTomaso, and each week on the Baseball Bucket List podcast, I speak with a different fan about their favorite baseball memories, what the game means to them, and what's left to check off on their baseball bucket list. Hey guys, this is Patrick Larson from the Minor League Baseball Hat History Series. And in every episode, I go through the history of minor league teams through my personal collection of hats. You can find me on Twitter at at PatLarson1. I hope you guys enjoy. This is Patrick. And Corey. Of BaseballMapper.com. And we have made an interactive map to help highlight all baseball teams from the majors down to collegiate summer leagues. We want to bring you closer to baseball. So get on the site and find a team near you today. Learn more about Curve Brim Media at curvebrimmedia.com.